Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Latina Life with Jen and Malena. I am so excited to introduce our next guest. Her name is Juliet Menendez, and she is a Guatemalan American author and illustrator. She's traveled the world. She's lived in Guatemala. She's lived in Paris. She's lived in New York. Um, she's been a, been a bilingual English teacher in New York, and now she has her first children's book, which I absolutely love. I saw it in a store, and I stopped. It's Latinitas celebrating four big dreamers. I have the book in my hand right now. You guys can't see it, but I'm showing it to Melina. And <laughs> Juliet, it's beautiful. Juliet, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to have you. Both of us are. On we here. are very excited to have you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So, so let's just get right into the nitty gritty because I know um, like so many people out there, it's uh, everybody has a different story and a different background. And you have a very unique story and background. Your mom um, is Irish American, and then your dad is Guatemalan. So you're a mix. Um, but you grew up in Guatemala um, until you were like four years old. And then you came to school in the United States. So why don't you just sort of tell us your journey and your background from, from that time. <laughs> okay. I, I will try. So, yeah. So I came when I was, I was just about four. And um, so at the time I was really mainly speaking Spanish. So I was definitely learning English and in my preschool, um, there was actually, um, I, I didn't know how to play in English and I was a little bit shy and some kid came over and was like, oh, can I play with you? I was playing with these dolls and I was like, oh, my dolls only speak Spanish. <laughs> and I was just like super shy about speaking English at first. And, um, but then like only a little bit later, um, I was in kindergarten and they were actually doing this unit on Mexico and it was like I probably like very stereotypical and like mm. not the greatest unit on Mexico I mean I think my teacher tried her best at the time but um you know and so I was hearing all of these kids trying to say things in Spanish and I actually thought my accent was wrong like I was like oh okay like I guess that's how we say it you know um and so I came back to Guatemala a little bit later and um yeah I, I had this very funny like English way of saying words and my dad was like ¿Qué pasó con tu acento? like why are you saying these things like I used to sing this song about a little cat like La Gatita Blanca and he was like oh can you sing me this song and I was like La Gatita and he was like what is going yes. on like the U.S. has like totally um don't listen to those kids. They don't know <laughs> Spanish. They're just like telling you it, telling you I'm wrong. So yeah, so there was always kind of this back and forth, and um, and um, yeah, it was it was it was something that my parents were trying to figure out at the time which country they were going to be in. Um, they actually met in the U.S. Um, when my father, uh, my father's family his father was actually kidnapped here in Guatemala um, by the guerrilla oh. and um, he moved this whole family like very quickly to the U.S. and um, my mother she actually even though she's Irish American her best friend was Puerto Rican growing up and um, their her friend's parents and my mother's parents decided to put them in Spanish classes from the time they were very young so she actually knew Spanish and she had been traveling like 
she's one of these people who travels the world <laughs> and um, she was just like a very adventurous spirit. Um, and she had been traveling through Spain and she found my father's family at the airport and they were trying to communicate and they had lost some packages and she offered to um, help translate. And that's how they ended up meeting um, because wow. my aunt was there. She's an artist and she was looking for some sculptures and I don't know. And my mother was like, oh, I'll help you and blah, blah. And my mother was like, my aunt was like, oh, you're the sweetest person. Like, please come to my birthday party. And there was my father at her birthday party. Um, and the rest is history, I guess. So, so it's always been kind of a complicated story. And um, and yeah, so I did a lot of my schooling actually in the US, like my secondary school and college and everything like that. Um, and yeah, I'm telling you a lot. So and let me know, know what, what part <laughs> what part of the US did you grow up in? Like what what's okay. what state? Yeah, so I grew up right outside of Washington, DC in Northern mm. Virginia. Okay. Love, love. So, so that's where you did your secondary and then you went to college where? I actually went to college in Minnesota out of all places. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, Carleton College. I No one could have prepared me for what they meant by saying it was incredibly cold. I, I was like literally in my comforter the whole winter in my coat. Like This is freezing. Wow. Like how is anyone surviving here this was clearly not a place that was meant for people to live according to me <laughs> which is so cool uh, but yeah so it was but that's where I studied uh, studio art in Minnesota studio art but your passion was always um, I mean that was your number one passion but you also mentioned that another thing that you were passionate about was education Right. And, and so, and, right. Yeah. So yeah. Latinx community, you said you had mentioned that, um, and this was in a previous conversation that we had that um, you got very involved in that. And so from there you became a teacher. Uh, yeah. So after college, I moved back um, to the DC area was um, to stay with my mom for a little bit, as mm -hmm. many people do if they're not heavily subsidized by their parents. <laughs> exactly. So I came back and um, yeah, and, you know, during that time, there was just a lot of things um, you know, it was the early 2000s. I'm definitely dating myself. <laughs> and there were a lot of things about, you know, education. And I was just seeing a lot of I was seeing really what I considered a need for more teachers that just reflected the student population they were teaching um, to be more specific. And, mm -hmm. um, and it ended up something that I just found myself talking about again and again, that I really wanted to somehow change that. And in my school growing up, as I was saying, I grew up a little bit, uh, I grew, right, grew up right outside of DC and I really did not see a lot of people like me in my school. Um, mm -hmm. And a big part of, of my experience was basically just kind of ignoring the part of me that was Latina. Since I had both, it was like, well, you might as well just push that out, out of the way like, and fit in. But I never really fit in either way. Um, and, mm -hmm. and it was something that I didn't want to just ignore and push out of the way. It wasn't something that I was ashamed of in that way. But, um, but that was often kind of the pressure there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that it wasn't overtly said, but it was just in a lot of little 
subtle ways again and again that I was like, okay, like, um, Wait, did that ever, is there a certain instance that stuck out in your mind? Uh, like yeah, it was a lot of little things. You know, I read this article actually by Emma Otegi, who's another uh, Latina author, and she was talking about this experience she had, which I completely related to when she brought um, guava paste to one of the school functions. Like, you know, you're supposed to bring things from your home. And mm -hmm. um, she brought this and she was really embarrassed because everyone else brought cookies or brownies or, you know, and as much as she loved it, she kind of hated in the back, like knowing probably like no one's going to want this or I don't know. Um, and she was embarrassed of it. And I had like literally the same experience with platanos. And I remember someone found them and it was this kid in my grade who like really, he would like eat everything. He was like that kid who, like, he probably, I don't know, he probably <laughs> would have eaten something off the floor, but he was like, these are really good. And everyone was like, and I was like, oh, yeah, you would say that. Those look disgusting. And I remember just being like, oh, my God, platanos, how can you think they're disgusting? Like, I love these so much. But, of course, I didn't want to say that. Um, or, for example, you know, I actually loved art from the time I was really little and also writing a lot. It was mm -hmm. something that was really important to me. My um, grandmother is actually a poet. And, um, you know, so I had always loved words and language and I considered myself like a fairly good reader uh, and I loved writing. Right. I would write these really long stories and I was doing pretty well, but I was put in the remedial reading group with like the other Latino kids. And I was like, um, I, I get it. Like sometimes you do need to, you need some help, but like, why am I in this group? Like I'm, I'm fine. Like I, I understand what we're supposed to be doing. And I just felt like there were a lot of different moments throughout, um, where for whatever reason it was just kind of either something that was like assumed about me like oh well you're Latina so you clearly need extra help um reading. or you're Latina and and you don't belong here like I've and had, you yeah. don't belong in the yeah. other group yeah which I think is definitely part of it too and um yeah and even things I don't know if you you ever had this experience but even things like um with my fam with my uh, friends families like for example uh, my father here in Guatemala and my mother had always shown me whenever you go to a friend's house of course you're going to greet the parents and introduce yourself and usually even bring like a little gift <laughs> it's just very uh, traditional traditional mm -hmm. of course. and I would bring these things to my friends houses like oh you know hi I'm Julia and they were like why are you talking to us the kids are downstairs and I was like okay um I don't, I don't know like it was and it wasn't like that mean it was just kind of like oh you must be looking for the kids like they're downstairs why are you here right. <laughs> like basically yeah. but um and I think just a lot of things like that really stood out and I was kind of like okay this thing that is clearly very important in you know I, one side of my culture seems to not be important here so I guess I just won't do that because I seem strange or right. I won't bring platanos if everyone thinks that they're gross I'll just eat them all myself <laughs> um, you know things like that but I think there was just that sense of like probably this this is not going to be accepted or if I actually did try it wasn't so I think I don't know. And I don't think it was always like with some horrible intent, but it came across that way. Like, oh, no one really wants to know about this side of me. Right. And some of those people don't realize that. Right. I mean, and that they're actually exuding that, that that's what they're giving out, you know, to people. 
So mm-hmm. how did that, how did that then influence you in regards to wanting to support the, the Latin community through education? Yeah, so um, I think that I spent a long time um, then just kind of being like, okay, well, this is what I need to do to get ahead in school and like not <laughs> not keep writing stories about these types of things if they're going to get me in the remedial reading group um, and things like that. And so I just kind of took that path. And I think being in Minnesota, um, I don't know. I really, that, that whole side of me was definitely not as big um, for the first couple of years of college. And then I joined this little group that was called La Escuelita and they were helping out Latino kids in Minnesota of all places and I couldn't believe it when I got there because um, I actually didn't do one of those weekends where you visit the school ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, I I definitely was very surprised (laughs) when I got to Minnesota and was seeing you know cow pastures and I I just felt so incredibly far away from everything that seemed um, familiar. You were used to. And, um, but in this little tiny college town, there was one Guatemalan restaurant of all things. And I, it was when I started to feel like, okay, maybe I could be here, even though it's cold, even though it feels very unfamiliar. Um, and then I decided to be part of this group called La Escuelita that helped kids after school. Um, and it really meant a lot to me being part of that group. And it was, you know, it wasn't a huge thing when I was in college, but it stayed with me, this idea that there's this community out there that feels very similar to the way I did when I was younger mm-hmm. and could use people who actually speak Spanish, who get it and who can relate to their stories. And, you know, if they say something about, I don't know, their Abuelita having premonitions, that sounds completely normal. And I would encourage yeah. them to tell me about that instead of, yes. that sounds strange. So I think that, you know, it just, it stayed with me. And then when I went back to DC, I was trying to be the gallery artist that I thought I would be from the time I was young and painting and painting, but something just didn't feel right. And I was being called to do something else. That's the best way I can say it, but I just, it, I felt like it was being forced, um, this art side of me, at least at that moment, and that there was something else I needed to do. And I realized that I really wanted to go into teaching. So I found the program, the New York City Teaching Fellows in New York. And um, it just sounded like a good fit. I would be working with um, with Latinx youth um, in -hmm. elementary school, and I would be teaching. So um, and I would be able to get my master's as well. So I decided to join that program. And it really meant so much to me to be working with Latinx kids. Um, they weren't um, specifically Guatemalan, um, but it, it, they were mainly um, from Dominican backgrounds or Puerto Rican, and there were a lot of Mexicans as well. Um, but it just, and that's a thing in and, of, in and of itself that it didn't totally occur to me because I had been kind of cut off from this, that even things like the words that I use are not always the same words as what, you know, Dominicans and Puerto Ricans say. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely a learning curve there, but, um, they are the ones who really inspired me to go into illustration because, I was working with them and there were just not enough books in Spanish about children like them. Um, And I decided to start creating little stories about my students or based on my students. And I would share them with them and I would just see their faces light up when it was things that they recognized, things like from their neighborhood, people in their lives or problems they were having at school. 
And I just loved seeing their little faces light up. Um, and I would draw little things and tell stories. And I would be like, you know, that sounds a lot like me. It was first graders. So they were still like, is this about me? Um, and they would get so excited. And I thought, you know, I would love to do this, to just, you know, create stories for children that reflect them and let them see their own lives unfolding and their own stories. So that's really how it all came about. That's a very long story, but it took a lot oh, of but that's time. great. Love it. So great. interesting. So from new from so then that pushed you to go back to school and you went to illustration in Paris. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's that's correct. And Paris came into the picture because my sister is actually a filmmaker there. So I thought to myself, um, I mean. Schools in the U.S. are incredibly expensive, and I'm not going to pretend like school in Paris is not. I worked like four jobs to be able to afford, wow. it, like save enough to get there. And I could only do one year because I ran out of money <laughs> after the first year. But um, I knew that I wanted to learn how to do design and illustration, and I had been very much... Um, trained as an artist and that's a very different way of thinking it's not like how am I going to get this story across or how do I approach a problem and find a design solution it's really so much about you know finding out about yourself or expressing yourself and things like that that's much more of a personal journey um, and so much can be said about the crossover between art design and illustration but I did feel like I, there was so much that I needed to learn about illustration if I was ever going to do this and storytelling for that matter. So, um, yeah, so I decided to do that, to go to Paris um, and, and go to the school. And I took in as much as I could. And I really wanted kind of that French harshness, too, where they really don't tell you that something is good at all <laughs> unless they they literally love it um, and at the time it could be really frustrating but it was so important you know they would they would put work on the wall in this group like this is not terrible this is not bad this is okay um, and I know that, that sounds super harsh but it was something that I was really craving at that time like I knew that there were a lot of holes in my way of thinking about things and um, the way that I was expressing myself through art, especially if I wanted to do this. And honestly, it could be super frustrating at times, but I knew that it really pushed me. Like it wouldn't let me, they wouldn't just let me do something and have some completely BS reason for it. They made me defend everything. They made me like, you know, think about it and question, well, why did I do it in this style? What is my style? And all those questions, as hard as they were, they really helped me grow. So that's, that's how that ended up. And how was it being a Latina in Paris? Well, you know, I think a big thing that changed how I would have felt about that, I was definitely not aware, like for the first, um, for the first thing that they asked us to do, I did actually spend um, some time learning French before I went. I had studied so oh, good, but I knew I needed to get better. So I did, but there were so many cultural references that I didn't know. And for example, one of the first things that they asked us to do was this survey, um, which is based on the survey that Proust did. And it's supposed to be witty and clever and all of these things, which you would know if you were French. And I did know who Proust was, but I had no idea like that this whole thing was expected of me I literally just wrote my answers like okay yeah this is what I feel about that <laughs> and my sister thank goodness was like 
oh my goodness, Julia, they're asking you to be like creative, witty, like you're going to need to come up with like a project, like something visual, artistic, like, and super unexpected. I was like, wow. Okay. Like, this is <laughs> so not what I thought. And she, was, and she was right. Everyone came with these like, you know, presentations or this interesting way of approaching these questions. And I would have literally just had like the paper survey. So I would have been very lost without my sister for help. And the other thing is that there was this girl who was Korean um, and I thought she was French, like she had grown up in French, in France, um, but it, it turned out that she was half Korean and half Mexican. And one day we realized we were writing notes in Spanish and she was like, ¿Tú hablas español? I was like, yes, tú también. <laughs> <laughs> and then we immediately like hit it off and it turned out that she was, you know, also a wonderful friend. And I think that really helped me to just having one person that, you know, after trying to explain design and all of my thinking in French all day, I could go after um, school to get a glass of wine and just, you know, relax and finally just speak in Spanish. And it made a huge difference. So between my sister helping me out with some of the French details, <laughs> the cultural details and this amazing friend, um, I, I was okay. So when to, you were, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jen. No, I have to, I was going to say, that's the thing about the culture, you know, over there, because I've been to Paris a couple of times. And what I found is that because those countries are so close together, you have so many people who understand each other through their different languages. So even when I was trying to speak French to someone, they wanted to practice their Spanish with, with yes. me. So <laughs> like you had this dual conversation going on. So it's like so important and it's so embracing, I think of each other in some ways. But um, were there any challenges you faced as a Latina, like compared to like living in Paris and like maybe like the U.S., where you felt like sometimes, you know, there might have been moments where you didn't belong, not as an American, but, you know, as a Latina, or is it just very different and they're more embracing of different Well, people? I would say that I felt strangely less out of place in Paris than I mm -hmm. did in the U.S., um, and that's hard to explain for so many reasons, um, <laughs> which I'm still trying to understand. Um, I think that part of it is like the French are kind of that way about everything. They, they have their very specific, like I mentioned, cultural references um, and things like that, that, you know, they, they kind of do just expect that all French people know it, but they, they, um, I don't know, I guess, you know, maybe part of what it is, and I'm, like I said, I'm still trying to figure this out, is that I, I expected to be a foreigner. I mean, I was still learning French after all, um, and I wasn't French. I think in the US, the idea that somehow I was always strangely a foreigner, even though my mother is Irish American, I grew up in the United States, I really, I don't hear my accent, some people do, but you know, it was always, where are you from? Where's, where's your accent from? And I was like, mm -hmm. I, I, I have no idea. Like, I would always say, like, I grew up around here just to, like, mess with them. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. I did. But it was also, like, I was, I didn't even want to say I'm half Guatemalan so that they could feel validated. I was like, no. <laughs> like, I speak perfectly fine. Like, there's nothing that is strange. Oh, I got it all the time. All the time in school. High school. Even, like, going into, like, TV. Like, certain people. It's like, oh, you've got an interesting accent. Where are you from? I'm like, West LA, like that's, right? and, right. that's where I'm from. You were just tired of always validating yourself. I'm sure, yeah. you know, because yeah, I think, I think because all of us come from very different 
Latin backgrounds. My mom is South American. And so like you, I remember when you said that told the story about the food, I would bring empanadas and I was like ousted as the gross, ew, what's that? You know what I mean? And I'm like, every day, you know? So it's just, it was just such a thing. And then you're so embarrassed, you know, and you, you Mm -hmm. feel like you have this big mark on you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's just so many other stories, but I, you know, we, we get tired of just having to justify that we are just like everyone else. So Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, a lot of people like you, like us, we felt like you. So you know, it's just interesting, the different dynamics and the, when it happens in different stages of your life, but mm-hmm. all of that pushed you to then come back and tell us about the process of how the book got created. <laughs> yeah, so that was quite a long detour. Yeah. So Latinitas came about. So I went to Paris. I learned how to I learned as much as I could in that year and continued working um, like on my own. I thought, you know, I'm going I'm going to consider that my second year is one that I give to myself based on everything that I've been learning. I'll just have their harsh critique voices in my head and continue. So I continued working on illustration, but of course, you know, it was time to make money again. So I, um, I went back to New York and um, I went back to teaching, but this time I decided not to be a full-time classroom teacher. I decided to be an art teacher so that I would have more time to work on these projects and to continue what I considered my con- continuation of that education. And mm-hmm. during that time, I was walking through the hallways of the schools I was teaching in. Again, I was working mainly with Dominicans and Puerto Ricans and Mexicans. And um, I started noticing that all of the posters I was seeing on the walls were of people like Benjamin Franklin, Einstein, and Dali. And I thought, Mm-hmm. You know, what, what if the posters up on these walls looked like my students or, you know, had people that had backgrounds that were like my students? And, and I started researching Latinx history, just thinking, I'm going to create some posters and put them up on these walls myself and just see, you know, how they feel about it. Because they're always seeing the same people who don't reflect their own backgrounds and yep. their cultures. Um, And from there, I started doing this research, um, just trying to come up with different figures I would put up on the wall. And I started realizing that something incredibly important was missing from the history that I was reading from Latinx history, and it was women. If there was anything that was going to bring out the feminist in me, it was that. So I decided (laughs) to start researching only the women and see if I could find as many women as possible in different careers from different backgrounds, ethnicities, Um, And I just was trying to get together like this group of of women who could represent these different things for for the children. And one of the things that I realized for the very same reason that I didn't find the women, that their stories really needed to be out there. I couldn't just have the posters without their stories because, you know, a lot of these women had kind of been erased from history or had just appeared as footnotes in these other histories, you know? And I thought, well, somehow the stories have to be with them too but I honestly didn't feel like I could be the one to write those stories I had written things when I was younger but I really didn't study writing I had studied you know many things I guess I went to a liberal arts college but I, I didn't study specifically how to be a writer and um but I had this idea and then um some years later 
my agent, the woman who is now my agent, um, found me and she just loved the idea of these posters and she really encouraged me. She was like, yes, this does need to be a book. You are completely right. These stories need to be out there. And I think you can write them. And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it would be great if these stories are out there, but I really don't know. And she was like, well, you know what? Just try it. Write some samples. I'll see, you know, what, what I think. And, you know, she had previously been an editor as well. Um, now she's an agent, but she had worked as an editor at um, Rayo, I think. And she was like, no, you can completely do this. You can write these, like you can do this. Don't worry about it. And I was like, I don't know, but she was, seemed so confident um, that I think the confidence rubbed off and I was like, all right, I'm gonna do this. Like I'll try and write this book. And I created some more samples. We submitted it to publishers and somehow my book ended up at an auction. I still can't believe it to this day. Everything seemed like every time my agent would call, I just felt like she was literally popping out of like a magical story. Like, how do you have this news for me? Like, what, like she felt like a fairy godmother. And so somehow um, my book ended up at an auction and I ended up writing and illustrating Latinitas. Um, and that's, that's how it came to be. Congratulations. Wow, that's, we love that. That is very inspirational. So how long was it before it actually got published? Would you say? From the time I had the idea, um, it was quite a few years. I had the idea in 2014 and it was sold um, at the end of 2019 to a publisher. Oh, wow. Okay. And now everybody, it's available everywhere. Yes. <laughs> amazingly. It's, amazing. it's amazingly. Yes. So I read an article on you at the on the New York Times. And one of the things that I found very interesting um, about the article and the interview was that um, you really wanted to portray all of the women figures, all the figures that you have in the book, um, the way they really authentically look. And one of the stories is you, who you, a person who you have in there is Selena. Mm. And um, you wanted to make sure that she was featured as who she is, her really like her real caramel you know, skin, um, which was very interesting to me because obviously we have seen Selena um, portrayed many different ways through many different stars um, who obviously aren't indigenous in the way that she is because she definitely right. is much darker. So I thought that was very interesting that you really wanted to just put it out there as who we really are because I think through different versions of these stories, they tend to reflect or be more pretty right in a way not that not saying that she isn't but they're just viewed differently with lighter skin or with finer features opposed to in your book that it's really um who they are which I found very very interesting and 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 I think that's important. Was that something that you thought about when you were doing it? Or? Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, I, th <laughs> I think I know exactly what you were talking about. There are these very specific like beauty standards, especially in the fashion industry and things like that and in movies. Um, but like you said, she's, she's completely beautiful. And I wanted, I wanted each of the Latinitas to just be themselves, you know, like I didn't feel like there were, I didn't need to, they're obviously very much stylized because that's my illustration style, but, you know, I didn't want to change their features or their skin color or something like that. Um, 
And that was something that was important to me that even though I have this, this particular style that those types of things, like, you know, for example, the way someone's eyes are, the way someone's nose or whatever it is, like to keep that. And there was no need to change that to have one like kind of more generic type. To make it or, look more pretty or what, you know, I, I feel like things do get distorted in many different, you know, aspects of the media. So Nothing, I yeah, just know what is beautiful, right? Exactly. I mean, they're beautiful in their own right. Everybody has their beauty in them and we need to all appreciate that. There's just not one sense like in the eighties was all, you know, blonde. Everybody want to be blonde. Yeah. Otherwise. Yeah. You know, there is beauty across so many different ranges. And that's why, I mean, even on the cover, you see, you know, all the different skin tones and the different illustrations. And it's just, I mean, it's beautiful. It's what caught my eye. So, and that's what we need to keep, you know, teaching the Latin community, right? Because we have to self-appreciate ourselves, right? Because we hide ourselves. And you're in the forefront helping us all with that, Juliet. Oh, that's so Thank you. (laughs) It's so true. So what's next? Do you have something else you're working on next? What's your next big book? So I'm working on my very first picture book. Um, that, (laughs) That was actually part of my contract when they got Latinitas. And I'm really excited about that. I've been talking with my editor about ideas that I've had and I started working on that. And right now I'm working on two illustration projects, one for a book with April Pulisere um, and another one with Margarita Engel. So, um, so those two projects are really great. And it's kind of nice to give some time to think about this picture book idea and like, get that going while I'm illustrating something else. So, so it's working out, it's working out really well. So definitely projects coming up. <laughs> oh, and then before we go, is there any tips that you want to give to young girls out there who want to do what you do and get into illustration? What, what can you recommend for anyone who wants to do what you're doing? Yeah, I think um, I was having a talk with one of my fellow educators who was talking about how so often um, when you are Latina or when you come, I don't know, whether you're indigenous, black, anything that you come to school and you're often treated like you're coming as this empty cup that needs to be filled up. And you are bringing so, so much, but it's treated like that nonetheless. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that what I would say, whether, you know, whether it was when I was in Paris and figuring things out, I mean, there are so many things that you can figure out and it's wonderful to learn, but to never feel like that, to never feel like you're not bringing something to the table already. And I guess, it was something that took me a really long time to figure out that that all of those things were what made me special that would you know what connected me to my ancestors what the the whole like, heritage right. that i have and i think latinas latinitas really represents that for me starting with Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz and going throughout to Lori Hernandez just this whole idea that there's this whole history there there's this Latinas have always been there, they've always been shaping our history, they've always been contributing, and I want young Latinas to feel that way too, like there's a whole history behind them that they're bringing to the table, and that's very beautiful too, and it's something so important, they've never been an empty cup, for sure. It's a great message. Thank you so much, Julia. Love it. It was, what a lovely conversation. I really hope people... Um, I'm so inspired by you and you just, you didn't let anything like hold you back and you just stuck to your guns. And I think that's important. So 
Thank you for that. Looking Thank forward to that. seeing more of your works. Yeah. Thank you so much. We appreciate all everyone go out and buy this book. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes. The stories, the illustrations, it's just the full tapestry. So thank you again for, yeah, I love this. I feel like we could keep on talking. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta wrap I'm like, it up. <laughs> Juliet, we need to go have wine. I'm like, I'm so when you, know. you come to Los when Angeles, you come to LA. please look, please oh. make sure to look us up. I would love that. And thank you for being with me through all the rambling. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, no great rambling. story. Thank you. Thanks, Juliet. Wonderful. So well, best of us as to the next time, everyone. See you later. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.